Well, if you have your Bibles, can you turn to Luke chapter 6? Luke chapter 6. This morning's sermon is going to come from Luke 6, starting at verse 41, going through verse 42. This morning is Palm Sunday. It's hard to believe it's come so quick this year. The hint that gave it away was all these kids with the palm branches. I was a little nervous as to what might happen with those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, before we begin, let's pray. Father, we're so very grateful for this privilege this morning of coming in, gathering with your people into your throne room, singing your praises, hearing from you, bringing our requests to you, you, having our cleansing from you in Christ. Oh, Father, it's a wonderful and delightful privilege, and we think especially this time of year of how all the drama, all the climax of creation, everything comes to its head at this pivotal week as Jesus enters into the city, enters into the city for the last time. For we know what he's going to do. He goes to the cross for us. And we're so very grateful and thankful. Father, I ask that this morning that we would see Jesus, we would see ourselves, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear that we would not be deaf and dumb, that we would not just be hearers of the word, that we'd be doers of the word, that we just wouldn't hear words this morning, Father, but it would penetrate by your spirit and affect our hearts and souls, that we would be transformed, new creatures in Christ, renewed. Oh, Father, please speak to us now, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 41. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take up the speck that is in your brother's eye. What a powerful illustration for us this morning. And as we get to this particular text, this has been a a section of Jesus' sermon where this becomes painfully pointed throughout. And this particular dart here is a painful dart at the Pharisees. This... There's a lot in this sermon that is pointed toward the religious leaders who think they have it all together. And this also is a painful dart for us in our pharisaical tendencies. And as we're going to see this morning, this has a tremendous amount of impact for you and for me in the lives we live with one another because it exposes our humanity. It exposes the nature and heart of what we're like in relationship to other people. We can be the biggest hypocrites at times. Incredible hypocrites, because we're so good at seeing the issues in others, and we're so bad at seeing the issues in ourselves. 
And up to this point, Jesus has been preaching, and the Pharisees have been hassling, challenging, and condemning him for a couple of chapters now. And Jesus continues to unfold the hypocrisy. In regard to the log and the speck, there are those, are the, they are the ones, sorry, the Pharisees are the ones going around Israel, telling others what they need to do, confronting others. Just look at what they're doing to Jesus. He doesn't even have a speck, and they're going after him constantly, critiquing, analyzing, condemning, uh, telling him that he is of the devil as he casts out the devil. And yet, the whole time, they themselves are corrupt, evil, and vile. They're doing things behind closed doors and in their hearts that prove that they indeed are the children of the devil, and yet they don't see it. They're children of Abraham. That's their big boast. Jesus exposes to them that their hearts are full of lust. Their hearts are full of murder. They commit adultery in the way they, they approach divorce. They're unkind. They're ungiving. They're disrespectful and dishonoring to their parents. And they make a big show of their religiosity and their ceremonial religion by having long prayers in public and making sure everybody knows and sees how much they're giving. Yet, they have the audacity to condemn Jesus for eating with sinners, for healing and restoring people back to full health. For helping people. And oh, the audacity of doing that on the Sabbath. Could you imagine? For touching people who are unclean to help them, to care for them, to serve them, to bless them. What's he doing? He's going around and doing nothing but ministering to them. And they're condemning him. These are the guys who have this great big beam stuck out of their eye. And they're so careful to look around and notice the little speck in their brother's eye. They're incredibly good at it. They even probably do it, I'm sure, in a very condescending way. Here, let me, let me take care of that little speck for you. Let me, let me address the issue in your life. Big beam hanging out of their eye. But you really, you know, you look at the Pharisees, and you might as well be looking in a mirror times. Because what they are is there's so much a commentary. They're commentary on our own hearts, our own lives in, in, in ways. And we're going to see that as we walk through this passage. Because we, what do we tend to do with ourselves? When you're reading a story, do you, when you're watching a movie, do you relate to the, the antagonist in the movie? Not usually. You relate to the hero <laughs> or, the, or the good guys. The bad guys... Who, who wants to relate to them? Nobody. But we all want to, and we all often do relate to the good guys. And that's how we have, we have a problem with ourselves. And this is why this particular passage is important. Because whenever we bring up unlikable people, whenever people are brought forward that are like smelly, nasty, not really clean on the edges, or people that get exposed, or they're, they're just not the kind of people you want to hang around with, you typically, none of us, none of us associate ourselves with them. We don't like to do that. And here's why. 
because it seems so easy to see other people's specks. And, it's, and, and this is why. Jesus, as Jesus said, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? Well, partly because of the way we're wired. <laughs> and he knows that. He knows what's going on. He knows what it's like. We see, this is how we see ourselves. We see ourselves from our intentions. What's going on in here? We see others by their actions. And when we see our intentions, we only intend good. And so everything we do, as long as what we do is, good, is from a right intention, we can easily justify the action, right? But when we see action and it creates any harm, we look at that and say there's no way there could be good intention. Because if good intention, they wouldn't have done what they've done. It gets worse than that because when the wrong is done to us, if we feel hurt, we feel pain, we get affected by it, you know what happens? We think, how could somebody hurt somebody like this and, and have good intentions? They had to have been evil. And so by the very nature of how we look at the world, our eyeballs, do you know we have external eyeballs, and our eyeballs, they see the world outside of us. But the only thing I see about myself right now as I'm talking are my hands. I can kind of in my peripheral vision see just a little bit of my shirt, and I can see my hands when they're out here. But the rest of it I don't see. But you guys see me and everything that I'm doing, all my facial expressions and everything. They're unconscious to me. They're just happening. Yet, who sees, who has the internal eyes in me? I do. I have eyes that are going on right now and examining my motives, my thoughts, my intentions. You don't. And so because I love myself and I really want to, you know, present myself as good. I'm, I'm thinking, and I, my thoughts and intentions are often good, or at least I think they are. I like to think they are. And so this is what happens. We have a skewed perspective. This is why we can see or the speck in others' eyes, but we have trouble seeing the big fat log in our own eyes, even, even by the nature of how we're made and put together. This is something we have to deal with. So we judge by the look of the face. We judge by the sound of the voice. We judge by the black and white letter of the law, by the actions that people do, and we make judgments determined on that. And if they do anything that hurts, what do we assume from that? If I was to do something to hurt you, what are you going to assume about me? My motive. Not good. Not good at all. That Dean, he's a bad man. You know, he's, how, how could you do that and, and not be a bad person? Well, just think of it. Look at the, all the things that you've ever done and think of how you, you, what you tell yourself. You tell yourself that you're, you know, I didn't mean any harm. I, I didn't really, you know, my intentions were good. And so we easily excuse ourselves or downplay what we're doing. And so it's very natural for us to have a, you know, have the big beam sticking out of her eye, not really notice it too well, but really easy to see the speck in everyone else's eye as a result of this. And this is also why, on the flip side, so we see by the nature of who we are that it's easy for us to see specks. But it's not easy for us 
to see the log. But don't, don't you find this illustration kind of humorous? Because it's actually, it should be, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it be easy to see this big log sticking out of their eye? It seems almost funny looking to, to imagine the picture. And the person has a beam sticking out of their eye unnoticed, and yet they have this incredible ability to see a speck. That scenario is weird. That scenario is actually humorous. And if anybody there was imagining or imagining it, they'd probably chuckle. It's like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Why do, how does one not notice the log but notice the speck? Well, because it's where the log is located. The log is located in their own eye. And they're just not seeing it at all. There's nothing more prevalent in our day than someone doing something heinous while condemning others doing something of a lesser action, like less evil. They're doing evil, great evil, while they condemn others doing less evil. Now, this is how it works. Take, for example, those who approve and actually participate in the murderous act of abortion. So here their hands are dripping with blood. They're participators in this. While, on the other hand, they condemn anyone as a hater who would speak against the actions of another group. That's called hate speech. For you to say that if you were to declare that that action were wrong or that action were sinful, that's, that's hate speech. Who's saying this? Often the very people who are participating in and condoning abortion. Now just think of that for a moment. It does, that's a gigantic log. A gigantic log. You're participating in abortion. This is murderous. But all you have to do to what do you have to just rename it. Oh, that's not a living organism. It's just, it's nothing. And all their, all their intentions are pure and good, aren't they? So they're, they're doing something evil, and they call it, and they believe it to be good. And then you do something that's right according to God. If you, name, if you were to name and declare, even for example, a hot topic in our particular age, if you were to say that homosexuality is sin, what is that? That's hate. How could you say that? And who just condemned you for saying that? The one whose hands are dripping with blood. <laughs> and now, if what Jesus is saying here isn't a, isn't a commentary on the world, I don't know what is. Because this is, this is exactly how it works. And the, 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 here's the irony of it all. The person who actually spoke and said uh, and called something sin according to what God calls sin, let's say the, the homosexuality example, they could be the most loving person in the world according to their actions. Yet, they would still be condemned for what they said by the person who's a murderer. They would be. And this is because it's absolutely, Romans 1, total insanity. We are crazy apart from God's grace. And that's exactly what we're like. If you want to see what we're like at our heart apart from what Jesus came to do, read this and just understand this is what we're like. 
Apart from Jesus, this is what we do. We mess the whole thing up. Great big beams we don't even notice, and we're going around noticing little specks. And as long as I personally am convinced that what I'm doing is right, it doesn't matter how bad or awful my actions are. I will just simply take the log and paint it. Put white out on it. Eliminate it somehow. But there it is, hitting people in the head. Al Capone, which, how many of you have heard of Al Capone? Most, most people have. Even if you're younger, most people have heard of Al Capone. One of America's most notorious and, and sinister gangsters, right? Head of the mafia. Well, he said this about himself and his life. He said, I have spent the best years of my life giving people the lighter pleasures, helping them have a good time. And all I get is abuse. The existence of a hunted man. Oh, poor Al Capone. (laughs) Now, I'm also sure that every person he killed, he believed that what he was doing was executing justice. They deserved it. He had a perverted and twisted view. So he says this, and all of us laugh. It's like this gigantic log sticking out of his eye. And yet, I'm a good man. All I tried to do was give people pleasure. Let them enjoy life. Really. Okay. This is what we're like. The log is a problem. And you know what? The log is a problem for you and for me. It's a problem. Because we don't see ourselves as we ought to. We don't see ourselves properly. You can, you know, all you have to do is show up at a Bible study and you'll see this. You're at a Bible study, somebody will share a struggle or talk about something personal, and everyone turns into an immediate counselor and fixer. And why? Well, because they have the solution. They know the answer. It's so easy to say, we know what works or at least we know what others say works. And so we see it, we hear it, and it's like, we're, this is, we're a beautiful spec anal- analysts. Oh, this is what you need to do. You know, uh, boom, there you go, um, and I won't even charge you for that one. And it's that, it's that easy. But if it was so easy, why don't you just do that with your own problems? Why don't you just go, boom, done? Why don't you just fix them the same way? Why, why, do, why do you have any struggle in your life? Oh, mine are different. Mine aren't so trivial. Mine aren't so small. Mine are more complex. I have a really hard time figuring this one out. But boy, I tell you what, if you ever want to see how funny this is, just mention to a group of Christians what, what you're struggling with and watch how much quick and immediate how-to counsel you get. Boom! And you sit there and they just everybody gives their two bits, right? Man, that's pretty simple. Next, and they go home and they have their own struggles, difficulties. Well, just give yourself, Mr. Mrs. Log Waver, um, the same kind of counsel. Because it's that easy, right? 
but we always have a different perspective of ourselves. How many times have you ever looked at other people's kids, saw issues, and just thought, oh, man, if they would just, boom, you had the answers, like, now. I could fix that, like, right now. So if you're so good, like, how about your kids' own kids' problems? Well, they're different. They're a little more complicated. Go, go. So easy, take care of yours. You'll have this perfect package, and then everybody will want to talk to you. But that's what we're like, right? That's what we do. We can quickly and easily see the issues and the problems, and it's like we have, we strip away all, all the really the, the harder tangled issues about it, and it just is so simple on the surface. That little speck, I could just jump in there, and I could really, I could put, remove that so quick for you. But as you try to do that, you smack them with your log. And so they, they understand that, okay, whatever you say there, Mr. Righteous. Because here's the deal. Unless we go to God in our humility and we understand who we are, there's not one person here who has any success or has any progress or any sanctification apart from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And unless we go to him as desperate and needy and weak and as beggars and receive his grace and his help and his work in our lives, we're train wrecks. We can't do it on our, on our own. So humility, if we understand, if we start to ha- have a good, healthy perspective of ourselves and say, you know, I probably have a big old log in my own eye as I'm trying to look at the speck, and we understand the situation, often what it creates when we get self-understanding and self-awareness, when the Spirit of God, this is what Jesus is trying to help us to see, oh, may the Spirit open your eyes, you might have eyes to see, and what do you get eyes to see? Yourself. Man, if you understand how weak you are, if you understand how needy you are, if you understand how pathetic you are, if you understand your tendencies, you know what you become? Humble. And you know what you do? You go to somebody who can help. Who can help you? Jesus. And that's what we need to do. We need to go to Jesus. And then when there's humility and we've gone to Jesus, what do we do? We now have a humility and an ability to actually much more easily go to others and help them. As Jesus said here, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. You notice how he doesn't say, forget the speck. What does he say? First, deal with this right here. First take the big log out of your own eye, and then you will have a better ability to go take the speck. And that process right there is incredibly humbling. And in humility, we go to the Lord, we see our big log, and we deal with our log, and now we have the humility and the ability to go to our brother or sister to address the the speck. And the way we address it is completely different now at this point. Now we're in a place where we can come alongside and do it in gentleness and humility. Because, you know, if we don't have compassion, if we don't have a heartfelt sense of the struggle the person is in, we're in no place to come alongside of them. Because we have not yet dealt with the log in our own eyes. 
we've not yet noticed and dealt with what needs to be noticed and dealt with. It's the unseen log of pride. But if we've dealt with our log, we should at least have a sense of humility and at the very least think, but by the grace of God, so go I. A sense of compassion, a sense of understanding. We shouldn't criticize, critique, or condemn other people's struggles and sins until we recognize our own and from that have a sense of humility that apart from, apart from Christ, I really can't do anything. You know what else happens when we come to that humble place where we first recognize our own log? We first deal with that issue, and now we're able to, to go along next to our brother or sister. It makes us winsome. It makes us do it in a very wise way. It helps others to see their logs as well. Do you got, this morning was read for us. Sorry, Rob, that was my fault. That was totally my fault. I botched that up. It had nothing to do with him. That was me. Second uh, Samuel, um, the story of David and Nathan. Nathan goes to David. And what does Nathan do? He confronts David. But he does it in just this spectacular way. Boy, you know, don't you wish you could have half the wisdom? I guess if God spoke to you directly, maybe that would help. But this is what's amazing. is He, he tells the story about a man and he just had one little lamb. And this guy comes and takes and slaughters a lamb and takes it on him. And, and David's listening to the story and he's outraged. He's seeing the log. How Dare that man! That man should be executed. Whoa. Let me help you see your log, David. You're the man. And then he goes on to explain to him what he has done and how that story relates to him. And David, look at how um, he was able to see the log in that evil man's eye. And he was unable to see that, that he was the man. But I tell you what, after he saw the log in his own eye, and he, God helped him to see the situation, what did he become? If you read Psalm 51, he became an incredibly humble and broken man. Broken. He wouldn't be talking the same way after that he did before. His tune was different. He would approach people differently. And I think it's a wonderful picture of what happens when we, we come to see our own log and we, we become so vindictive and we become so passionate about other people's log. It, we, we, we become humbled. and We deal with our own log. And now we're in a place where we can humbly go alongside and help others. But here's one thing we need to remember. Before we run to, ha- to how-tos, to fixing things, when you come alongside somebody... Let's make sure of one thing and one thing first. Don't talk about what to do until you first put your arm around that person and you walk them to Jesus. The first, the very first person and thing they need, they need Jesus. For any problem, any solution, the strength, the power, the help you need is found in Jesus. And I'm as guilty as the next person. But the first thing, we listen to an issue, what do we think we should do? Let's, solution. Well, think about that for a moment. I've denied the person the grace they need to actually walk forward in faith in the power of Christ Jesus. 
That's what they need more than anything. They need Jesus to heal them, to forgive them, to strengthen them, to raise them up, and to walk them forward. That's what they need in their situation. The very first thing we should do is not how to, but who to. Jesus. And so we should say, you know what, let's pray. Let's pray and let's seek the Lord and he will give you help. He will give you guidance. He will give you direction. The first thing. Now, I'm not saying never talk about what to do, but we have to do what we do has to be in the power and the strength of Jesus and obedience to him by grace. And so if that's going to happen, what do we need to do? The first thing is always go to Jesus. Let's pray. Now, doesn't that sound sound cliche? It sounds, oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Let's do our token duty. Let's pray. Let's go to Jesus. But really, you know, why don't we get down to nuts and bolts? What do I need to do? Well, let me inform you of something. You can do nothing apart from him. You can, I can tell you what to do, but you will continually fail until you understand who you need to go to and trust in and hope in and look to on a continual basis. That's fundamentally what you're doing wrong. To start with, you're walking in your own strength. How can I tell? Look at the failing. That's what I do when I walk in my own strength. You notice how your face is on the floor? It's a good place to be because then you realize your need. But do you want to get up and start walking? The first person you need to run into is Jesus. You need to go to him. You need to give your weakness to him, your inability to him, your struggle to him, your, what it is, your issue with him. And then from there, now what, what do I need to do, Jesus? What is it you're calling me to do? And go by faith in his strength to go forward. I think so, so often we are not going in the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in our own strength, and we're constantly failing. Can you think of one thing in your life right now where you struggle or fail? I don't know if that's an easy thing to do right now or a difficult thing. Is there any struggles in your life? And do you think about how often have you taken that issue into the Lord Jesus? Look at me. I am weak, unable. I, I'm lost. I'm confused. I don't understand. You know me, and you know I, I can't do this. Please, Lord Jesus, strengthen me, help me. You do it in me. You do it through me. Please work in me. Please show me, guide me, direct me. You know, passionate, pleaful prayer that you seek the Lord Jesus and his grace to help you in the situation. How often do we do that? Not too often. We're more interested in knowing all the how-to so we can get busy and go to work and fix the problem. Yeah, yeah, I know we need to pray, but what, what should I do? We'll get there. First of all, very first thing you need to do is go to Jesus. And Jesus will help you. So we don't think of that, what it puts us in, as the one who's coming along showing somebody their speck. So if we've first taken care of our log and we've got the humility and we're going to come alongside somebody, it also puts us in a very humble position where we're not seen as the one who has all the answers. Who do, what we are as guides, let me take you, let's walk to the one who has all the answers, has all the strength and everything you need. Let's go to him because I know for, for a fact that he will help you, he will guide you, he will strengthen you, he will walk with you, and he will deliver you in the, from this. 
That is beautiful. But to think that we can just quickly fix people's logs or specks without Jesus, we haven't learned the lesson yet. And if that's where we're at, we still need to have our log run in and smack things and, and mess us up some more so we really begin to understand it. You know, this illustration that Jesus gives about the speck and the log is so crucial for us to understand ourselves and understand how it is we deal with each other, with grace. And, you know, it's an issue in the church. It's an issue here. It's an issue amongst us. And I want to close, I want to close our time by a story about how this speck and log thing works, even within the church. And this is a, this is a really powerful story about how it happened in a church and how it got taken care of in a church and unfolded. And I think it takes and illustrates all that Jesus is saying here in a real powerful way and shows us how it is that we actually should apply it. At last he had his chance. Clutching his prepared statement in his hand, Mark sat down in the front pew, ready to give get even with the elders. Six months ago, they had refused to support his promotion to senior pastor. They had stood silently by when Mark was slandered in a congregational meeting. Worst of all, some of them had repeatedly talked about him behind his back voicing their doubt about his ability to fill the shoes of their retiring pastor. After months of escalating tension, the elders finally called in a team of trained conciliators from Peacemakers Ministries. During two three-day visits, the conciliators taught peacemaking to the congregation, facilitated personal discussions, and encouraged Mark and the elders to set an example for the church by acknowledging their own contributions to the problem. But Mark could not let go of his perception that the elders' repeated sins against him far outweighed his few mistakes. Now, with the second set of weekend meetings drawing to a close, the elders were going to make a corporate confession of their wrongs to the congregation. Their prepared statement did not go as far as Mark and his wife thought it should go. However, so he and Donna planned to publicly elaborate on the elders' sins against them. As the service began, one of the conciliators preached a brief message on reconciliation and then explained the goals and format of the meeting. He then gave the microphone to the head elder, Reading from a prepared statement, he acknowledged several ways that the elders had wronged Pastor Mark. Then he looked straight at Mark and Donna and said, We have sinned against you both and caused you great pain. We are so very sorry. It was evident from the tears in his eyes and the emotion in his voice that he was speaking from his heart. Then another elder stepped up confessed his own sins, and asked for forgiveness from the associate pastor and the congregation. A third elder did the same. The conciliators had expected only two or three of them to speak, but before long, seven of the nine elders had come forward to add their personal confessions to the statement that had already been read. 
Mark was battling with his thoughts. He was still angry and hurt. But the elder's words had put a crack in the wall that he had built around his heart. His wife sensed that he needed a few moments to collect his thoughts. So she stood up and stepped to the microphone. Turning to the elders, Donna said, I came here tonight planning to tell everyone how much you've hurt me and Mark. But in the last few minutes, God has shown me how wrong I have been. I finally understand what the Lord has been trying to tell me in 1 John 3.15. By holding on to my hatred, I have been murdering each of you in my heart for months. I'm so much guiltier than you are. I do forgive you, and I ask you to forgive me. As she walked back to her seat, Donna's face showed the freedom she felt. Her bitterness had been washed away. Mark's feet felt like they were made of lead as he rose and walked toward the microphone. The war in his heart was building to a climax. He could hold on to his anger and try to get even with the elders for the pain they had caused him. Or he could find freedom and peace by forgiving them and confessing his own wrongs. With growing emotion, he realized that he could not do both. Help me, God. He silently prayed as he reached the microphone. Suddenly his fingers opened and his notes fell to the floor. Turning to face the elders, he spoke words that he had never expected to say that night. Donna was wrong. I'm actually the guiltiest person of all. As the associate pastor, I should have been set an example of humility and submission. I should have trusted God to work through the elders in the congregation to select the next senior pastor of the church. Instead, I let my desire for the position to control me. So I took matters into my own hands. I exalted myself and became defensive when people raised honest concerns about my abilities. I became angry that people were talking about me behind my back. But then I did exactly the same thing. Instead of going to talk with those who had spoken against me, I avoided them and wallowed in resentment. Even when some people asked for my forgiveness, I refused to give it. I have failed miserably as your pastor. And worst of all, I dragged Donna into my bitterness. I ask God for his forgiveness, and I hope that you will give me the grace to, for, to forgive me too. The elders rose as one to embrace Mark. Reaching out, they drew Donna into the circle. After a few moments, another voice was heard from behind them. Two additional microphones had been placed before the congregation. An elderly man stood before one of them, wanted to take his share of the blame. Before he was done, a woman had moved to the other microphone, compelled by the same spirit to find peace through confession. Then another and another confessed sin, slander, divisiveness, and hardness of heart. Everyone pointed to himself or to herself. Each person became his own accuser. After 45 minutes of confession, quietness fell over the congregation. One of the conciliators closed the meeting in prayer. When he'd finished, he sensed that God was not done working. So he suggested that the people turn around and greet one another with the exhilarating truth, the Lord has forgiven all your sins. 
The people shared the good news with each other and hugged and talked for so long that conciliators finally made a quiet exit. Now that's what it means to get the log out of your own eye. And in fact, the specks just took care of themselves. And it's amazing what broken humility will do as we see and understand our own position in things and confess that, confess ourselves to being log bearers and speck observers. How it melts away and creates an environment for peace, an environment for love, an environment for building up, for encouraging and supporting one another. May God grant us the same grace. Father, we thank you so much that you you give us your word and that, uh, that you alone can help us see the speck and the log beam in our own eyes so that we might, in all humility, turn around, put our arms around our brothers and sisters, together walk to Jesus and find in him all that we ever need. We ask that you would grant us, your people, this humility, this self-understanding, and this kind of love for one another. For we ask it in Christ. Amen.